0: Everybody else in my hometown has gone to sleep. When I button up, slick back, shave and grab my keys. I spike a little coffee for the roll. I hit the shuffle in the cruise control, prowling a I
1: don't yet know Hey hey everybody how are you doing It is well, Garrett I'm Anderson coming at you live on Thursday April 6 I hope you're well um, I've got a lot to talk about today and uh, I'm feeling pretty good uh, pretty good energy um, I'm a little bit like like my eyes are sleepy from from staying up a little late after my wild vines gig last night but um but my spirit is is very much awake so uh even though I'm, I'm feeling like i'm dragging a little bit i've had a really productive day um little uh little coffee in the morning to get things moving so uh so yeah let's uh let's talk about what's coming up on the podcast today um i'm gonna tell a quick story about my taxes it is almost tax time right Tax deadline is coming up for those of us here in the States. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm going to talk a little bit about recent gigs, um, play a quick tune um, that's on my uh, my yard sale demos playlist. Um, The the most recent addition to the Yard Sale demos playlist is a tune called My Someone. I'll uh, talk a little bit about that and maybe do a little acoustic version. Um, I attended a uh, music networking meetup for a group called NARIP, which is the National Association of Recording Industry Professionals, on Monday um, last week. And um, and then uh, a little bit about some of the the spam and some of the, uh, the BS that, um, some, some of the opportunities, quote, quote, air quotes opportunities that, um, that I get spammed with as a independent musician. Um, and then we'll do a quick awesome or, or annoying, um, which is a new segment that I'm trying to build into the podcast um, just to have a little bit of fun with it. And uh, encourage your suggestions. If you've got something that you think could be kind of a toss up between being awesome or being annoying. Um, and you can kind of argue both sides. That's sort of what I do with those. And, um, so you'll, you'll, uh, check that out later on. Um, today's awesome or, or annoying is Malcolm Gladwell. So that should be fun to uh, to talk about a little bit. And then uh, a couple plugs of some of the podcasts that I've been listening to and a little bit about what's coming up on the podcast in uh, upcoming weeks. So, uh, so yeah, let's get right into it. Um, taxes. Let's get this story out of the way because it's going to probably um, get my nerves and uh, get my get my anger up a little bit right now so uh if if you couldn't tell with that introduction this is a story about um having to pay the government money um you know i'm blessed enough to work and my wife works and we uh, we pay our fair share. And my dad has an attitude about taxes, which is that it sucks to have to, to pay a lot, but it means that you're doing well for yourself and you're, you're very blessed to have the income that you do that you have to pay so much. So uh, tip of the hat to my father there trying to embrace some of his life philosophy which has led him to a a pretty peaceful, happy, fun, fun life, Um, productive, fun, you know, seemingly very peaceful life. He's He's a peaceful guy. He goes with the flow. I think I inherit a lot of the path of least resistance from my father. So, you know, that's sort of the attitude that he's adopted when it comes to taxes. And I'm trying to do the same. Um, out here in Arizona, um, I do have a guy that's, that I, that I hired to do my taxes and he did it the last year and the year before, because we have a, a property in Maryland that's our rental property. And, um, I am above the books on the, or above the table on the books with that property. So, um, so I feel comfortable talking about it on the podcast. I don't feel like the IRS is going to come, um, track me down because I have been claiming that rental income. Um, it turns out to so pretty much be a wash, uh, with the expenses that we can, um, uh, deduct from from the rental income. So the Maryland tax bill is pretty much zero. Um, but um, uh, so I get this guy to do my taxes because there is a level of complexity there. And I do want it to be above the books. And this was actually the first year that I wrote out a ledger um, for uh, for um, some Music expenses and um, and the music income and kind of looked at the tax implications of that as well. I, I, I hesitate because I was like, oh shit. Well, that's that's one that the IRS might be able to come back and be like, hey, what was going on in 2000 in 2015? You know, all of a sudden this this music business showed up in 2016. But uh, um, hopefully hopefully that it my income was so low, I mean I don't make a lot of money playing music, obviously that uh if even if they did slap me with back taxes, I'd owe them like thirty five bucks or something you know, so uh yeah, I don't think I'm going to jail for tax evasion anytime soon, but uh dunt done, knock on wood um me and my old, me and my buddies in high school used to say, dun, dun, like, uh, as if it was, you know, theme music in a, in a show and something bad was about to happen. It was like, dun, 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 dun. So we abbreviated that to just dun, dun. And if you said something that was potentially jinxing yourself, like, oh yeah, that'll never happen. You know, one of your buddies goes, dun, dun. It was just one of these fun, goofy lingo things that, uh, that me and my buddies did. Um, I had some really creative friends that came up with all sorts of fun lingo that, that we latched onto that made it really fun to, um, to be a a group of friends. One of my favorites was scraping easy was a lingo for, for flirting. So if we, if we were scraping easy on a girl, it was, you, you were trying to flirt with her. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so I use this guy to do my taxes and this year I send in all my paperwork and, uh, you know he comes back and okay, so this this requires a little bit of a backstory. um and I think I talked about this on one of the last podcasts, but um or one of the earlier podcasts um last year we had a big bill because my wife accidentally had a bunch more withholdings on her or 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 too few withholdings from her paychecks because she had too many dependents listed or or too many exemptions. Uh, I don't remember the details, but whatever it is on that W4 form, um, I think it's called exemptions. Um, but basically it's uh, there's a worksheet and you count up uh you know count one for yourself uh if no one else is claiming you count one for each child that you have and those are your dependents and then your HR um or or payroll um department of your company Determines how many taxes, how much, as a percentage of your paycheck, to withhold and send into the government, and say, "Here you go, here's the taxes for this paycheck." And then your job as a taxpayer at the end of the year, what we turn in on April fifteenth, is uh, your your basically reconciliation between what you paid versus what you owe, and then you have to pay the difference, or the government gives you a refund. Right? That's in, in a nutshell. I heard an interesting thing, too, that um, one of the reasons that tax reform is so difficult to push through is that the tax industry that's built up around the complexity of taxes is such that there are stakeholders in the way that it is and in the way uh, of keeping it complex, like H&R Block, um turbo tax, independent tax guys like this guy that I went to, their livelihood is on filling out people's taxes for them. When lo and behold, I I heard a stat, I don't remember it exactly, but it was something like, you know, the IRS feasibly could fill out like 20% of Americans taxes for them and just say, okay, here's what's going on. Because they are because you know, they just don't have a lot going on in their in their taxes. And, you know, but but there isn't an incentive for the people that are players in that industry to let that happen because they want, you know, Mary, Mary, Joe and, and, uh, Bobby to go into the H and R block office that's in their neighborhood and get them to, you know, get them to fill out their taxes with them and call, you know, charge them a servicing fee. So, so yeah, I'm one of these schmucks and my dad is, he's going to yell at me. Um, he, he, <laughs> he sent me a text and he was like, um, you know, you can just do the taxes yourself. It, it takes like ninth grade level math, so he's a little annoyed to hear that I, I got a guy to do my taxes for me. And he's like, All right, man, it's your money. Piss it away if you want, you know. Um. But for him, he, like, I I remember growing up as a kid, he would always have that weekend where he just tackled the taxes and it was just dad at the desk with papers surrounding him for, you know, most of the day and he's working through the the forms. And then eventually, you know, he he did the software thing with TurboTax or H&R Block. And uh, that does make it really easy. So I'm going to have to mix it up, especially in lieu of what I'm about to tell you. Um, If you haven't gathered yet, my tax guy fucked up my taxes Um, and... uh, uh, my mom listened to a podcast. I told her about my podcast and I was really nervous to be like, mom, all right, you know, give me feedback. And she says, all right, well, um, you know, if if you're going to curse, just use it sparingly so that it's meaningful. If you curse too much, then it won't, it won't mean anything. Well, I I can mom, this guy fucked up my taxes and I'm so glad that my wife and, and me, uh, my wife and her friends gave me a nudge to look at it really, really closely. I got it. And, um, you know, so here, here's the backstory. Last year, my wife didn't withhold enough. So we had a big bill and I said, Oh man, that is a bad lesson to learn. Like we have to cut a check to the government and it doesn't feel good. And it's, it's because of a silly mistake on a W4 form where we weren't putting enough taxes in during the year. And now we owe the government a lot of money and it was unexpected. And it was a shitty lesson to learn. Uh, but learning it the hard way, I said, all right, well, we'll never forget. We'll get these, uh, we'll get our, our uh, W-4s sorted out and make sure that our, our, our paychecks are, we're taking enough out. And, um, and that'll be that. And we'll, you know, we made those adjustments partway through the year. So I was expecting to owe a little bit this year because, you know, maybe we, obviously we, we paid uh, the, the same without enough withholding through April. And then after April, our guy you know told us what was up and he was like, Hey, you got to correct this. And so we corrected it, but we were already a quarter into the year. So I, I I suspected we were going to owe a little, but not so much. Well, lo and behold, he he pops down the results in front of me and we owed even more. And, uh, I was like, uh, how's this, how's this working? Um, and they were trying to tell me to sign right there so they could e-file. And I was like, I'm going to take these home and, and, and take a look at them. I brought them home. I kind of sat on them for a day or two. I told my wife and she was upset. And we're like, where are we going to, you know, scrounge up this money from? And, and, uh, and then we're like, is this right? And I was like, ah, I don't know, like the whole reason I paid the guy was because I didn't want to take the time to have to do it. So basically now I'm having to do it myself anyway, to check this guy's work. And, um, and I do it. Uh, so, and then her friend was like, hey, that doesn't sound right. Like, make sure you, you know, check the, the care um, deduction, Um, and she, she gave us a couple other ideas of stuff to just double check really carefully to make sure that it wasn't being included in our taxable income. And I am so glad she did, because when I took a fine tooth comb to it and looked at it closely, I found two mistakes that the guy made. First of all, Um, On my W-2 for my work, I put $5,000 into a flex spending account for child care, dependent care, and the whole reason you do that is you set aside money um, tax-free, you know, up to the max of five grand, Um, you... Um, you set that aside in your paycheck, so you never get it in your take-home paycheck. You set it aside into your account for dependent care expenses. You go uh, you send your kid to daycare or, uh, or whatever... And then at the end of the year, you say, okay, I spent this much in daycare, and then you reimburse yourself out of that tax-free account for $5,000. So that's sort of the proactive way of getting the tax-free money out of your paycheck, which is an entitlement to you based on how the tax code is written. The idea there being that you shouldn't be taxed for money that you're spending up to a point, right? There is a limit there, a maximum for dependent care, because that is just a, you know, everybody's got to pay it. Right. So it's, um, it's one of the perks of, um, of the tax code for families. And I I go look and on my W2, it says that $5,000 was a contribution to my FSA. And for whatever reason on the, on the corresponding form on the taxes, the guy had put in where it says, enter this value from this box. So it's kind of funny um, doing your taxes is sort of fun when you have a mind like mine. Like I kind of like the puzzle piece of like, you just follow the instructions and it's like, okay, go look here. And now from this form, you know, find box 12 C and then enter the value here. And then like, it is, it's kind of fun actually. And you learn a lot by doing it. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of glad I did. I was being a little selfish and lazy by, by paying this guy to do it for me. But uh, for whatever reason, instead of putting five grand where he was supposed to put five grand, he wrote ten grand and then didn't fill out the rest of the worksheet correctly. He had listed some things that were supposed to be filled in as like zeros, and then it worked out such that he landed on a number that was just incorrect. And um, it ended up inflating our taxable income by $10,000 which didn't make any sense at all. It was exactly the wrong thing that was supposed to happen with that amount of money um, to our taxable income. Our taxable income was supposed to be decreased by $5,000, not increased by $10,000. So this is just a blatant fuck-up and, and very expensive mistake as well. Uh, the other one was a little bit less egregious, but also a mistake, um, and it also had to do with a, 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 a savings account, through my employer, which was my health savings account that I put in, I don't know, 65, 75 bucks per paycheck into and, and again, it's just like sort of a tax free vehicle to pay yourself back from for for healthcare expenses. It's so it's like forced savings. And then you also get the tax benefit um, right then and there instead of having to calculate it out on the back end. And, um, and, and same thing. He just, he forgot to reduce my taxable income or, or, you know, me and my wife's joint, uh, married filing jointly our taxable income. So he ended up inflating our taxable income by, by over $1,100 or wait over $11,000, which made our bill like twice as big as it was supposed to be. And I was like, "Um, dude, what the fuck? Like, that is exactly the wrong deliverable. Like, you almost made me pay the government way, 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 way more than I had to. The whole reason I paid you was to make sure that I wasn't paying more than my fair share. So I I was really livid. Um, I also needed to just double check that what I had found was correct. So I sent this guy a big email. I said, Hey, according to this and the way I interpret the worksheet here and blah, 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 you know, this is how it comes out. And, uh, his response was just, Oh yeah, you're right. Uh, here's the adjusted form. And, uh, we apologize. We always strive to do our best. And I was like, oh, you gotta be kidding me. Like, that's it. No no, hey, oh my god, I'm so sorry, let me off you or offer you a discount, or next year's taxes are free on me, nothing like that, so uh, then again, we are talking about a tax accountant here, so who knows the degree to which his social skills are up to par, um, and, uh, you know, he, he may not be offering any discounts or anything like that, or refunds, you know, because he thinks that, that he did do the work, and uh, I don't know, if it was me, the straight up business thing to do would have been to come like hat in hands and apologize over and over and over again and try to make it right but uh i didn't see any of that um i haven't pushed the issue yet i kind of wanted to let my anger simmer down simmer down now let my anger simmer down a little bit before uh, pursuing it, and uh, yeah, I'm just I'm just boggled, and I wanted to share the story so that you can be aware and, and keep an eye on your taxes, people. It really isn't that hard. Like uh, like Papa says, it's like ninth grade math. So uh, follow the worksheets, double check, and um, and also just try to challenge yourself to have a a common sense, high level view of what a deduction is, and you know why certain things. You know, shouldn't contribute to your taxable income. The idea being, hey, I had to spend this money on stuff, be it dependent care or health care, that the government is telling me can be bought with tax-free dollars. So my taxable income should be reduced by this amount. So do do your best to try to follow that little puzzle, and uh, and you know the complexities they're there. But uh, with a little bit of professional guidance, and if you sit down and really focus on the worksheet, you can figure it out. So, thank God we checked, and I didn't just send it in a check. I, I actually, I kind of wonder if we did overpay that much, would the government correct it? Probably not, right? They, they just go, yeah, sweet. And part of me thinks maybe this guy's in cahoots with the government. Is it possible that he thought he was pulling one over on us and was like, hey, eh, we'll just inflate their taxable income here and send the government extra, and then uh, maybe. You know, some, he's got some inside guy at the IRS that sends him back a little kickback. That'd be some, like, that's like cons- conspiracy shit. That would really bug me if that was going on. Um, so, yeah, I'll, um, I, I'm going to have to gather my thoughts and gather my intentions to figure out how to engage with this guy next. Um, but uh, suffice it to say, I do not think I'll be using his services next year. So uh, So, good riddance. I will, I will vote as a consumer and, uh, vote with my feet and walk away. Um, so that's the taxes fiasco. All right. So on to happier shit. Um, recent gigs. I played a farmer's market gig on Saturday and I played a wild vines gig last night. Um, both very good gigs. Um, got to, you know, challenge myself to play nice long sets, um, mix of covers and originals. There was, um, a quiet, quiet crowd at the farmer's market, but what a beautiful day. Beautiful day. Um, I tweeted a picture of the area where I was set up on, uh, on Twitter at G Anderson music. Um, and, uh, just really nice to play outside. Um, very, very fun. And then last night at wild vines was also quiet for, you know, it's a Wednesday night. Um, little little bit of traffic in there, but the folks that were there were really cool. They were all a little older, which sort of works for my songbook, which is mostly classic rock, so they were singing along. We had a great sing-along to Piano Man last night, and uh, what else? Just really good, and it was, <laughs> I was joking with my buddy, um, who, uh, he had to watch my daughters while I played the gig. I, I try not to book gigs when my wife is out of town, but she was at conference and I wanted to keep the gig cause I had committed to it. So my friend watched the girls and afterwards he said, Hey, how'd the gig go? I says, well, it was pretty good, you know, quiet crowd, but, but a nice crowd. Um, and, uh, and I was like, it was mostly like sexy grandmas and their husbands. <laughs> yeah. It's like, this is a bunch of old ladies that are still trying to like, you know, look fresh and, uh, and their husbands that, that, you know, they're like, Hey, the kids are out of the house. We're, we're living it up now. Uh, very, very fun folks there yesterday. I met a couple nice people that were visiting from Pittsburgh and we, we gave each other some grief about our football teams. And she was super nice. She requested some Beatles and we did a little sing-along to um, um, Can't Buy Me Love. And so, I mean, yeah, really, really engaged crowd. I think I did my job, even though I didn't get much traffic in terms of people coming out to see me. I think I put on a good show that, that fit the vibe of the room. I really like playing there. It's a little bit more mature. And then at the end of the night, it got very quiet closer to 10 p.m. when they were getting ready to close up, and I was getting ready to finish, so I, uh, I wrapped up the gig with What a Wonderful World, and then Creep by Radiohead, which was really fun to play in like a nice quiet bar, and then uh, Driving My Life Away, which is a, a fun kind of a bluegrassy, old old-timey uh, tune by a guy called Eddie Rabbit. So, good gigs. Um, they didn't really feel like I was Progressing towards my dream of songwriter status. Like they were almost like maintenance gigs in terms of practicing my tunes. Um, keeping fresh for, for live audiences and, and keeping my uh, my mojo up as a performer, which is always going to be good and, and only helpful. So I, I absolutely am glad I played the gigs. But I did kind of have this sense, the more that I've meditated and the more that I've pursued the songwriter and getting my songs into the hands of established artists as a potential revenue stream and, and a way to make an actual career out of music, um, it did dawn on me that like I wasn't that much closer to the goal um, by, by playing those gigs. Um, so, uh, but, but I think that's okay. Like I said, there was a lot of other good things about playing those gigs and, uh, you know, the great time, a little bit of side money, um, that I will report to the IRS. I promise. Wink, wink, nod, nod. Uh, no, I, I will. And, uh, (laughs) um, but, uh, but yeah, I feel fine about it because I have been spending those hours on the email and attending these meetups and uh, networking and building out yard sale demos, which is sort of my, my little hub for the mission. It's where you can come listen to a bunch of my original material and, and get a sense of, of me as a songwriter. Uh, that's on SoundCloud. You can find it at yard sale demos. And the most recent demo that I posted is a, is a brand new song called uh, My Someone. And I wrote it the morning, like either the morning or like a day or two after attending the Nashville Songwriters Association International uh, meetup that I talked about on the last podcast, where, uh, you know, it was a dusty old building. And, and, you know, me and and five or six other old dudes were, you know, uh, we, we listened to a talk from a, a really nice lady called Shelly uh, about writing commercial hits for country music today. And the rules of thumb for that, and I came home with like a framework in mind of, okay, well, let me try it. And she also gave us this uh, speed writing exercise, and I said, okay, right, let me try it. So it was cool. I, I had this like it was almost like challenging myself and and putting into practice what I had just listened to. And I was like, well, hey, if I if I went through and put in the hours to go to that meeting. I have an obligation now to myself to try to make something of it, apply that knowledge, give it a, give it a try. So, um, you know, whereas most of my other songwriting has naturally come from my own intuition and my own therapy and my own ideas for songs and, and my own sense of, of what a song should be based on being a fan. Now I had sort of a new framework that, that went along with, with my recent revelation that their songs, f- they're my songs that come from that place of me as an artist. And then there's also songs that I write that come from the place of me as a songwriter. And this one kind of falls in between. Um, I really like it and I've been trying to play it out a little bit, um, at the last two gigs. So let me see if I remember it. Um, I got my little trusty acoustic acoustic, acoustic, Acoustic. sounded a little bit like my Maryland accent was coming out. (laughs) So this is called My Someone, and it's the most recent demo posted on Yard Sale Demos. Um, So go check it out. I really like how the demo version came together. I I played some drums on the keyboard on it and tried to lay down some ideas for bass parts and things. So uh, it's pretty full sounding. I like it a lot. And you'll hear I kind of, I get into a little bit more of a country inflection Um, because I was imagining it being sold to a country star, um, which reminds me, I should say this real quick that I put on my Facebook, uh, my Garrett Anderson music page on Facebook, a link to this song. And I would love for anybody who hears it to recommend a pop artist, you know, country or otherwise that they would love to hear play this song. If they like the song and they like this modern country artist, maybe, you know, give me that suggestion of because I mean, frankly, I'm a little bit out of touch with who's who in the in the country music scene. So I'm hoping to crowdsource that a little bit and rely on other people that are like diehard country fans that hear this song. And if it makes them think of an artist, it's like, oh, yeah, we would we would love to hear this guy play. And I, I give as an example, Darius Rucker. Um, who will forever always be hootie to me hootie and the blowfish darius rucker um yeah so i i said for example darius rucker would probably crush this song so see if you agree or if you have any other ideas pass them along here we go <laughs>
0: Everybody else in my hometown has gone to sleep When I button up, slick back, shave and grab my keys Spark a little coffee for the road I hit the shuffle and the cruise control Prowling around for a girl I don't yet know so I park my two seat and put some change in the me to get my game face on I'm a line on the serengeti, better be ready for my run I'm looking for a lioness to meet my match Need a queen of the jungle to scratch my back Prowling again for a girl I don't yet know Someone to laugh with, someone to drive with Someone to go the extra mile with Someone to hold on to as we spin around the sun Will I find my someone? Mm -hmm. Will I find my someone? So I'm down a few dollars for the beers with the gals at the bar I could tell by a kiss she ain't the lioness I'm looking for Well the lights have come up and the band is done I pay for one more whiskey and I get on the run Alone on my best friend's couch still dreaming, oh Someone to laugh with, someone to drive with, someone to go a million miles with, someone to hold on to as we spin around the sun. And I'll know about the way she moves her body to the beat, and the kind of light she brings to life in everyone she meets, and the way. She gets along with all the boys in my hometown, and the way I can't imagine not having around someone to laugh with, someone to drive with, someone to go a million miles with, someone to hold on to as we spin around the sun, yeah. Someone to stroll with the rock and roll with God willing in the creek, don't rise, grow old with hand in hand until this song and dance done. Will I find my someone? I gotta find my someone. Mm-hmm. I gotta find my someone.
1: Right. My someone, the newest song on yard sale demos. Um, Yeah. All right. That was fun. Okay. um, And that's a good segue to talk a little bit about the NARIP meeting that I was at. So NARIP, N-A-R-I-P stands for the National Association of Recording Industry Professionals. And I stumbled onto this group from, you know, one of the other groups that I've been um, attending and, and reading up on and networking with. And basically, it was just a meetup of, of musicians and, and people that are in the music industry here in town in Phoenix. And I went to the meetup, had no expectations of what was going on. The, uh, the invite was a little bit vague. It just called it a meetup and meet and greet and to bring plenty of business cards. And I was like, okay, cool. I am I have zero experience with these sort of schmooze fests, as I like to call them. Um, but I was like, all right, dude, you got to put on your big boy pants. If you're going to make anything happen for yourself, you got to go do it. You got to show up. Who knows what, what could come of it? You know, you're no worse off by trying it. And you can actually pretty much guarantee that you're going to be stronger for it because you're going to be exercising those muscles that are overcoming discomfort or cynicism and showing up and trying your best to make it a positive experience. And keeping in mind that these are folks that are engaged in the same sort of spirit of music making as you. So the, these folks aren't out to get you necessarily. Um, <laughs> there's a little bit of my like tentative paranoia coming out again. But you know, these folks are they, in a, in the best way and, and hopefully, this is true, we're all looking to support each other. And our an individual success is good for the group, right? A rising tide raises all ships. That's what I'd like to think, at least. And I would love to be in an opportunity where I, I'm i successful enough that I can kind of help the next generation come through as well. Um, so, trying to align my, my positivity for this experience. I go in. It starts off a little slow. I've got my notepad. I've got my business cards. I'm trying to think like, okay, Garrett, what's your elevator pitch? I say, okay, well, I am a local performer songwriter looking to break into publishing is my clear-cut elevator pitch. Boom. This is who I am. This is what I want. You know, what are you up to? Do you have any advice for me? Is there any way I can help you? What are you trying to do? So if I could offer a suggestion, um, instead of it just being a mingle fest where you just, okay, everyone's here now, go at it. Um, which to me was awkward. Luckily there was a guy there who, uh, had, um, I'm trying to think if I already talked about this. Sometimes I think through shit so that I'm ready to talk about it on the podcast. And I think in my memory, I'm remembering thinking through it. And it makes me feel like I talked about it on the podcast already. Is that weird? Also, doesn't help that I stayed up late last night after my gig and didn't get good sleep before doing this. But uh, let's let's assume that we haven't talked about this already. So, (laughs) a guy uh, a guy gets a hard cider and I go grab a beer. I was like, hey, we're at a bar. I'm gonna support the 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 venue for hosting us. So yeah, I'll go grab a. uh, Did I have a Miller Light? I think I had a Miller Light. I can't. No, 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 I had a Dos Um So I got a do- Dos case A guy uh, there for the event gets a hard cider. And I go, all right, man, you, you and me are both, uh, we're, we're, breaking the, uh, we're starting the trend for people to come up to the bar and grab a drink. So let's, let's go, uh, grab a table and start chatting. And he was actually super cool. He was probably the perfect person for me to start talking to. Cause he's, uh, he's got kids. He's, um, he's got a day job, but he does music professional stuff on the side, photography, um, and, uh, mobile live recording. I was like, Hey, you're a good guy to know. Thank you. This is cool. turns out he was also at McDowell Mountain Music Fest and we got to talk about the electro funk, uh, push play phenomenon and how he was taking pictures of drunk people in the front row and stuff and had a lot to relate. So, you know, as a perfect stranger, and within a couple minutes, we had established a pretty good rapport. And he told me about this great, um, opportunity called so far sounds. And I was unaware of it. It stands for, um, songs so far songs for a room. I think is what it stands for. And it's this neat concept that I had not heard of yet, which is pop-up concerts that are surprises, but you um, you sign up for So if you're the listener, you sign up for a list. And then once the list reaches a certain number, then they coordinate an event for your area. And you don't know who the performer is going to be. And then they give you the address and the time of the event, and you have to RSVP yes or no. And it seems like a really super cool concept. And then the performer, from the performer side, you get to play for a whole brand new audience of folks that are just interested in being part of this community that listens to new music. And I went and checked it out, and lo and behold, it's like an international phenomenon. And they've had really cool people like Hoosier, that guy that was like, take me to church, that guy um, has done them. And then lo and behold, I'm scrolling around on Facebook the other day. And I find out that my, uh, my buddy and former bandmate Kenton Dunson has done one just, just recently, just within the last month, he did a so far sounds performance.
0: I said, Oh, that's fucking
1: awesome, man. I just learned about this at the, at the NAREP meetup. So, uh, the guy said, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm affiliated with it for the Phoenix chapter. Uh, put your submission in and let me know and we'll see what happens. I said, all right, man, that's cool. So, first person I talk to, I get a hot lead on something that I should do to pursue my music career. I'm like, this is great. I did not know that. So, and it's, it's, it's crossing my mind that this might sound ludicrous, how surprised I am that actually tapping into a network of professionals leads to opportunities. It's just that I've been so independent, right? Last time I called it, I was a dinghy on the ocean. And lo and behold, there's these cruise liners that are all, all floating around me, um, there for the taking for me to walk on board and go, Hey, this is what I do. And they're like, Oh, great. We've got a, we've got a spot for you. You know, there's people that want what you do. So come on board. So I'm like, uh, really optimistic about this, this whole journey. That's why I'm doing the podcast. So you guys can, um, you know, it, it's both, um, chronicling what's happening as well as propelling me forward. So, uh really cool first dude to talk to, and then that kind of got things rolling. I got my confidence up a little bit. I said, Hey man, really great chatting with you. I guess, you know, part of what we're here to do is go meet everybody else too, so I'll talk to you later. I go walk over to another guy. Lo and behold, he owns a new music venue in Phoenix called the Listening Room, which is designed for performers like myself that are songwriter-based performers that need sort of a quiet, attentive audience to really capture um you know, what it is that I'm all about. Sure, I can do the pub thing where I'm basically a live jukebox playing by request and just running through the classic rock hits, which is great and and really fun in and of itself, but it's not exactly artistic in the way that I think my original songs um, would work in a room like the Listening Room Phoenix. So I'm talking to this guy, Jim, and he, t- he tells me his whole story. He's got this great intention of uh, setting up this space that's for music performance, first and foremost, no TVs, you know, nice and quiet. He instructs his audience to, you know, please limit their side conversations and, and, and activities on their phones. And he provides you a live video and audio of it. Uh, very artist centric. He's got a minimum that the artist will earn that night regardless of their draw. I mean, granted you do want to draw, right? You want to come with respect, try to get your, your people to come out and support you, especially at a new venue and one that, you know, I legitimately, um, want to support. So, yeah, right. Bing, bang, boom. First two conversations, super productive. And I'm like, all right, cool. Now, funny in hindsight, I, I was remembering thinking at the time, like, okay, well, these are opportunities for the, the rock star dream of Garrett, but I still want to pursue the publisher dream of Garrett. So I was walking around trying to figure out if anybody could help me with the publishing. Um, and, and by publishing, I mean, getting my songs into the hands of established artists. And uh, they, it, that was a little tougher. That was a little trickier. Um, there was a lawyer there and uh, the reason I bring him up was because he, he was um, letting people know about his book, which is about you know, music industry law. And I was like, hey, that's pretty cool, man. Thanks for writing that. He says, "This is for, this is for you guys. He was talking to me and this other dude that's in a band called Bristol to Memory that I was talking to. And he was like, this is for you guys, you know, the guys that are grinding it out on their own and they need to understand as much law as possible. Like a bunch of the other music law books, they're written for the lawyers. This one I wrote for the artists. And I was like, all right, cool, thanks, man. I'll have to check it out. And uh, he was funny. He thought the service at the place was terrible. So when he was leaving, he... uh he he yelled at the organizer of the event. He was like, "I am. I will not come back if you host anything here again. Never host anything here again." And I was like, "Oh, this guy's grumpy." So he had his little hissy fit at the end of the night. He's just and then he he like tempered it with, "No, but I mean, good job, and I'll be at the next one. Just just don't have it here." I was like, "Wow, that guy's grumpy." Lawyer lawyers yelling at people. I was like, "Oh, come on, man." But uh, no, he was—he was actually really cool. Otherwise, he just thought the service was terrible, which it—you know—there was probably stretches of really poor service. So he—he was—he had a leg to stand on. But I just never understand when people make a scene like that. I, I felt embarrassed for the organizer, like it wasn't his fault. <laughs> um. So, uh, but yeah, the uh, the other band guy. So this guy Rory. Gallagher I think was his name and his band is called Bristol to Memory and they were uh they're out of Orange County California they were on tour and they're playing a couple gigs in Phoenix and just super cool dude and lo and behold he had a story about making some money with a song because he's a big Los uh, Anaheim Angels fan and they had an opportunity somehow he had found out that they were looking for a recording to use of take me out to the ball game and he talked to a guy who said yeah can you get me a demo he says sure 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 and he he writes it up that night i think maybe with his bandmates they get a demo and they they hash it out they just do a quick mix of it as fast as they can and they send it over and the anaheim anaheim angels were like yeah we'd like to use this and they earn money through licensing for the Anaheim Angels to use their song for "Take Me Out to the Ball Game," I was like, "Dude, that's awesome!" And then he also reiterated with me. He goes, "Dude, you know, like so, uh, these networking things are great, but it does come down to doing your homework, and it's a kind of a numbers game that you have to expect that out of a hundred emails you send, you might only get fifteen, twenty responses, if that." It says you know, you got to play the numbers game. And then that's when the lawyer chimed in. He says, oh yeah, absolutely. So I was like, all right, you know, I I was kind of hoping that I could start networking and just find that perfect lane for me to just go like, okay, from this person to that person to that person to, I don't know, whatever my vision of success is. And, uh, you know, getting Darius Rucker to cover my someone on his next album and me earning four cents per CD sold or something like that, you know. Or, or digital albums sold, right? I mean, that's that's the idea here. That's what we refer to as mailbox money. So Darius Rucker goes, records my song. I have royalties on that song. And then I get royalty checks, you know, every thousand copies that he sells or something, he sends me a, a, a $4 check or however that works. Uh, that math was probably bunk, but that's the idea.
0: Uh, is that too much to ask?
1: I'm getting old, man. I'm in my mid-30s early, early mid thirties, I got a family to support and I, uh, hate going to my day job. So, so I got to make this happen for myself. Um, uh, so, so yeah, really good NARUP event. Um, oh, the, and then at the very end of the night, I was talking to this kid before I left who was super into EDM. He was a 19 year old student at one of the local Arizona colleges and he's so into electronic dance music. So I had to pick his brain. I go, so, uh, what what are your thoughts on seeing live performances of EDM? Because I was just coming off of my experience at Mountain uh, McDowell Mountain Music Festival, where I was a bit underwhelmed at how how much it looked like people were just pushing the play button, and this kid was the perfect kid to talk to. Cause he was like, Oh man, there is so much skill that goes into it. It is so much more. Like if you want to be a really good MC and perform, and he had this energy about him. That was really exciting to see. There's this young, excited kid. He was like, yeah, man, sometimes I, I go in the studio and I don't come out for like 13 hours. I was like, Holy shit. <laughs> um, and he was like, yeah, all the ins and outs of mixing and, and all the production that goes in ahead of time. Like you understand, like you, so if you want your base and then your, your, you know, uh, he was just rambling on at light speed about EDM music. And I was like, okay. It's like, "Mm, I'm get I'm feeling a little bit old, feeling, feeling a little out of touch with this. So I let him talk to me. um, And he was a great kid. Uh, I'll give him a little shout out on Twitter. I think his, his handle is Cobalt at Cobalt. And he, uh, he puts out his own EDM tracks and he had a good suggestion for me too, which was that local colleges for music have studios and have interns that need artists to come in periodically so that kids can learn how to mix and master and record. He was like, hey, if you're up for it and you've got some material that you want to record in a professional studio, you know, you come check it out. I was like, that's another good idea. It's like these, these meetup things are actually really productive. So I've got some things to follow up on. Um, so this is funny. As I say, all the productive things about the meetup. A couple nights later, I had this dream that I was at one of these music networking events and I noticed, I looked around that everyone was in white V-neck undershirts. And we all kind of noticed it at the same time. We all kind of looked down at our own shirts and we were like, oh yeah, nice, nice outfit, man. And I was like, hey, nice outfit, bro cuz like around the house I'll typically, you know, very often I'll just throw on an undershirt to wear around the house. And uh you know, and the image of having my sunglasses clipped in there. I posted something on Instagram with uh with that and a little tease about talking about it on the podcast. I said I'll talk about this on next podcast. So I had this dream and and like in the dream we were we were okay with it that we all noticed we were dressed the same but i that my subconscious must have been a little bit you know like i think i was getting a message from my subconscious to not lose my individuality in my pursuit of progress and success and I'm thankful for that dream and that subconscious kind of giving me a little nudge that's like, hey, remember to be yourself. Like even if you're all dressed the same, you still have to be be yourself. Even if you're all showing up with the same ideas and aspirations to achieve really great things and to pursue and network. and like we're all kind of it's it's a really nice thing when you can find a perfect win-win situation. And then the rest of it is kind of like you're trying to fight and scrap for yours, you know you're you're scrap you're scrapping and fighting for fans' attention um for coveted bookings at local festivals and places where there's built in audiences and and like the listening room um so there's there's healthy competition and then there's also some some genuine opportunities for win-wins and that's what i'm trying to seek out as much as possible and and then you know it is kind of like hey we're all we're all trying to do this so there is that tiny voice in my head that's like dude you're never going to do it it's never gonna happen man. There are a million people trying to do the same thing as you. Everybody's in white V-neck undershirts man. It's never gonna happen. And I'm like shut shut up. Sh- you you little voice, you sh- shut up. I'm not trying to listen to you right now. You be quiet. Going home. I'm I'm going to ho- go-, go home. I'm going to throw out all my white V-neck undershirts. I'm going to go sit down and write a song. It's going to come from me, my experiences, and no one else in the world could write the song even if it's even if it adheres to the, the format of a country hit. It's still going to be my song. <laughs> I was, so that that was my reaction to my dream was like, "All right, you know, you have to you have to wrestle with your fear a little bit so that it doesn't grow and it doesn't poison you." And that's, that's me, I think, wrestling with that fear a little bit. And, you know, I've, I've kind of come to a place of peace that the journey is so fun that even if I don't land where I want to land, um, it's still going to be worth it. Cause this is, this is so fun. It's more life and soul surface area. You know, like you, you can think of like a year of your life that you just kind of plotted along and did the did what was expected of you, showed up to the shit you were supposed to do, didn't really think about much, you're just kind of on autopilot, and it was like, I didn't do much that year. Versus a year, you know, the same 365 calendar days, where you really put yourself out there, and you really strived to improve yourself, and have experiences, and say yes, and show up, and you grow a lot for that. You have more surface area of life experience in that one year, than you did in in the year where you were just a couch potato, so I'm feeling really good about that, um, about expanding my surface area of experience, and uh, it, it feels good. And and the the joy is in the journey, and um, it it seems so obvious and it's so easy to tap into in in the good moments. So I hope I can remember this sentiment and tap into it whenever whenever that little voice is like, "There's a million of you, man." <laughs> you know your your submission is going to get lost in the shuffle um yeah i i, I yeah shut up you, you be quiet so i'm going to i'm going to quiet that little that voice of doubt that that has no business here no business here yes, speak your peace and, and move on sir um but one of the things that does make you doubt a little bit sometimes is all the spam and all the the sort of robot uh, likes and friend requests and things that that you'll find on social media. I don't know if this is true for other performers as well. I'd be curious to get their perspective. But um, a lot of the activity that I have on my SoundCloud page, to be honest with you, is is like robots. You know, it's some profile that was set up. Um, This one, I keep getting it looks like different users and then they they like something on my SoundCloud page. And I go to like engage with them and say, thank you. How'd you find the page? Like, do you have any suggestions or recommendations for, for other things? And uh, lo and behold, I go check their page and it's either like obviously spammy, like they don't have any, um, any followers, but they follow like a million people. And then their bio is just like, Click here to submit your songs to something, and you're like, oh, that's just spam. That's not a real person. That's just a robot. Um, it's, it's disheartening because you're like, yay, you get that little excited uh, firework goes off when you see a little like on your SoundCloud, and you go check it out, and you're like, sweet, I'm going to engage with my fan base. And then you're like, oh, that's not a fan. It's a fucking robot. Um, so that's a little frustrating. Uh, this one keeps coming up. It's like glorify records. And it's like, submit, here, here's what you got to do. Like our page, submit this here, and then we'll repost it on one of our other fucking robot user profiles. And I'm like, that's not real. That's BS. That is shenanigans. And it's watering down the soul of what I'm trying to do. So cut that shit out. Uh oh, um, so bots and spam, spam and bots, I don't, I don't want to mess with that. The other one I got was a a, a post on my Facebook, Garrett Anderson Music Facebook page, which was like, hey, this is XNRB out of New York, and we really think you've got a good style. Like, uh, write us back to learn more. And I write this guy back, I'm like, hey, and I'm pretty sure it's spam, because I'm like, there's no way, like, what? No, no radio stations just trolling around Facebook profiles that they had no reason to find in the first place to to listen to somebody's music to to play it if it's not in their interest so yeah lo and behold it was I've read up on it since um the guy did respond or or the guy in quotes again this might have been a robot although I think it was an actual person because it was like weeks later that he responded um, I said, Hey, I got your email about the radio opportunity. It's like a digital radio station. I went and checked out the website and sure enough, there was a stream, uh, you know, little, little, uh, music player on the website of streaming music. And I was like, okay, so maybe this guy wants to add my music to their digital internet radio here. I said that that could be cool. And in the spirit of following up on everything, I'm just trying to do my homework um, you know, every couple days, just make sure I'm following up on all this music stuff. So, all right, I'll I'll reach back out to this guy. He says, Oh yeah, you know, our parent uh, company is this academia awards and academia music awards or something. And I go check it out and I'm like, this looks so spammy. And basically what it is, it's an organization that you can pay to submit your songs for review and then they award, they have awards that they give out every month for like different genres and stuff. Basically, I think what it is is basically if you submit, it's like 10 bucks for a song, uh, 15 bucks for an album, something or 20 bucks for an album, something like that, I'm like, this this just does not smell right. I don't want to do that. That doesn't, that doesn't smell right. So I'm looking at this, this website and basically it seems like if you submit, you get an award and they're just playing off people's egos and their need to be liked and discovered and recognized and just raking in dough for meaningless awards that if there is even a group of people that, that, that are part of this, Because on their Facebook page, they're like, hey, congratulations to Steve so-and-so for, you know, best contemporary... Uh, contemporary Albanian folk song or something. You know, like the the categories are so specific that they give out an award for everybody. And uh, I was like, oh my God. So I I go check it. And on their Twitter thing, it's like there was a high pressure sales tactic involved too. That was like the deadline for attending our award ceremony this year in in California is tonight. Like, don't forget to RSVP or you'll lose your spot. I was like, all right, so there's so many things about this that I don't like. And I go watch a video. They've got a little video on their website about, like, check out highlights from last year's awards show. And I'm watching this video, and it's showing, like, people pulling up in limousines and taxis and Ubers and, and dressed to the nines and hopping out. And, like, there's one guy with his saxophone getting his photo in front of the, you know, the, like, the walking the red carpet and getting a photo. It was at the Rose Bowl in California. And, um, I'm, I'm looking at these people and I'm like, if these are real musicians, are they, are they actually, so there's two trains of thought here. One is the super cynical. That's like, I feel so bad for these people. I think they're being duped into just this false community of, of basically hey, you know, yeah, give us 10 bucks. We'll suck your dick. Sure. Like no, no big deal. Um, as long as you pay, we'll, we'll give you an award. Um, and I'm like, Ooh, this doesn't seem right. This does not seem right. So it, if these are actual folks, um, that are gathering and it's so funny, they, they show in their little promo video, people getting out of the cars and then people having cocktails and it's supposed to be looking like this classy event outside of the Rose bowl. And I'm noticing that there's some careful editing here that that's making it look bigger than it is. And I'm like, are these, did these people really pay to go out there and accept their awards? And then towards the end of the video, they show all these people. um, And of course, there's like soundtrack music going on. You're not actually hearing anybody. You're just seeing a bunch of smiles and, and, and people like uh, schmoozing and having a drink and a laugh. And like I said, that, that guy with his saxophone that posed for a picture. And then towards the end of the video, they show these people accepting these awards. And, I got so sad watching it because I was watching these people accept these awards. And I was like, I, I think this is like a, like a, just a scheme, just a scam. But these poor people are up there with huge smiles on their faces. Like, I'm so grateful that I got this award, blah, blah, blah. Um, There must be some value in the organization that I'm overlooking to get people to sign up at all if they're even real people, because it crossed my mind too that those could have all been actors paid to be in this video just to make it look like they have a gala event at the Rose Bowl. Um, I, I, I've i just seen too much, like in my, in my song Tea with Einstein, I say you get knocked down too many times to get set up again. You know, like a healthy dose of cynicism is really necessary in a world full of sharks. Like people will... will tell you you're great, so that you'll pay them. And I was so depressed by that. I was like, that is so shitty. So uh, lo and behold, I I googled it and other people had uh, had gotten the same submission, like down to the same. So it's really healthy the internet here, the community of people that that are trying to be uh, trying to vet these organizations and these quote unquote opportunities you know this other guy sends in word for word the same email that I got and I was like oh yeah this is classic just rip off scam artist shit and um it, it's disheartening for an independent musician like myself and and something like this 5 years ago would have one of two things i would have been really excited about it and would have bought in hook line and sinker or i would have gotten so discouraged and this is actually part of why it took me so long to start networking was that I was so discouraged by all the spam and all the predatory opportunities that seemed to be out there, quote unquote opportunities that seemed to be out there that I thought the whole thing was a scam and I had to build my career by myself and that no one else could be trusted. I was really, really broken in that way. I did not want to have to lean on a single organization to achieve success, and it, you know, served me well up to a point, and I certainly learned a lot of good lessons about not being taken advantage of. You know, never, never send in the money um, until you're sure. Um, so yeah, just be careful out there. If you're a new aspiring musician, there's going to be a lot of people that, um, or yeah, I don't know, fucking figure it out for yourself. Because may- maybe I'm giving you terrible advice and maybe the, the, you know, you could actually be the one artist that ends up becoming a pop star out of this academia music community. I don't know. It just, it didn't smell right to me. Um, I'm curious if, if there are other musicians out there listening to this, if, if they received the same email, um, and, um, if they have any other, other, uh, perspectives on it. Cause I could be off. I could be off base on this. I want to be open to that possibility, but I don't think I am. This one seemed like bullshit. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm over the bots and the spam. You know, I'm looking for real engagement, a real village, a real community. Let's build it one day at a time. Um, let's see, how are we doing on time here? We're already up to an hour. That took me much longer than I thought to talk about this. Um, let's wrap it up here. And, um, it's funny, I've I've been having so many ideas for live at you concepts that this every other week tempo, maybe not enough, might need to do a little bit more regularly or figure out how to say things faster. (laughs) Take, take five minutes to say something that right now takes me 15 minutes to say, I don't know. I think that's part of the fun is figuring it out figuring out as we go. Yeah, there's no way I can cover the rest of these topics. We'll have to save the Malcolm Gladwell awesome or annoying for another one. All right, maybe I'll try to do a, a, maybe I'll, I'll do one next week. We'll see. All right, for now, that's it for now. I wish I could cover everything I wanted to talk about, but hey, I'll leave you wanting more. Oh yeah, that's one of those country rules for writing hit songs is leave them wanting more. Oh yeah. All right. Peace, everybody. Be well. Uh, pursue your dreams, and thank you for your support as I pursue mine. Um, and, uh, yeah, don't let current events get you too down. Try to build your, build your village from the inside out. All right, peace. And know
0: the way she In the she brings life in heaven